0: Israel assembled and mourned for him, and they buried him at his home in Ramah. Then David moved down into the desert of Mahan. A certain man in Mahan, who had property there at Carmel, was very wealthy. He had a thousand goats and three thousand sheep, which he was shearing in Carmel. His name was Nabal, and his wife's name was Abigail. She was an intelligent and beautiful woman, but her husband, a Calebite, was surly and mean in his dealings. While David was in the desert, he heard that Nabal was shearing sheep. So he sent ten young men and said to them, Go up to Nabal at Carmel and greet him in my name. Say to him, Long life to you, good health to you and your household. And good health to all that is yours. Now I hear that it is sheep-shearing time. When your shepherds were with us, we did not ill-treat them. And the whole time they were at Carmel, nothing of theirs was missing. Ask your own servants and they will tell you. Therefore, be favourable towards my young men, since we come at a festive time. Please give your servants and your son David whatever you can find for them. When David's men arrived, they gave Nabal this message in David's name. Then they waited. Nabal answered David's servants Who is this David? Who is this son of Jesse? Many servants are breaking away from their masters these days. Why should I take my bread and water? And the meat I have slaughtered for my shearers, and give it to men coming from who knows where. David's men turned round and went back. When they arrived, they reported every word. David said to his men, put on your swords. So they put on their swords, and David put on his. About four hundred men went up with David, while two hundred stayed with the supplies. One of the servants told Nabal's wife, Abigail, David sent messengers from the desert to give our master his greetings, but he hurled insults at them. Yet these men were very good to us. They did not ill-treat us. And the whole time we were out in the fields near them, nothing was missing. Night and day they were a wall around us. All the time we were herding our sheep near them. Now think it over... And see what you can do, because disaster is hanging over our Master and his whole household. He is such a wicked man that no one can talk to him. Abigail lost no time. She took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five dressed sheep, five seers of roasted grain, a hundred cakes of raisins, and 200 cakes of pressed figs and loaded them on donkeys. Then she told her servants, go on ahead, I'll follow you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal. As she came riding her donkey into a mountain ravine, there were David and his men descending towards her, and she met them David had just said, It's been useless all my watching over this fellow's property in the desert, so that nothing of his was missing. He has paid me back evil for good. May God deal with David, be it ever so severely, if by morning I leave alive one male of all who belong to him. When Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey and bowed down before David with her face to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, "'My Lord, let the blame be on me alone. "'Please let your servant speak to you. "'Hear what your servant has to say. "'May my Lord pay no attention to that wicked man, Nabal. "'He is just like his name. "'His name is fool, and folly goes with him. "'But as for me, your servant, "'I did not see the men my master sent.'" Now since the Lord has kept you, my master, from bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hands, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, may your enemies and all who intend to harm my master be like Nabal. And let this gift, which your servant has brought to my master, be given to the men who follow you. Please forgive your servant's offence for the Lord will certainly make a lasting dynasty for my master because he fights the Lord's battles. Let no wrongdoing be found in you as long as you live. Even though someone is pursuing you to take your life, the life of my master will be bound securely in the bundle of the living by the Lord your God. But the lives of your enemies he will hurl away as from the pocket of a sling. When the Lord has done for my master every good thing he promised concerning him and has appointed him leader over Israel, my master will not have on his conscience the staggering burden of needless bloodshed or of having avenged himself. And when the Lord has brought my master success, remember your servant." David said to Abigail, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you today to meet me. May you be blessed for your good judgment and for keeping me from bloodshed this day and from avenging myself with my own hands. Otherwise, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, who has kept me from harming you, if you had not come quickly to meet me, not one male belonging to Nabal would have been left alive by daybreak. Then David accepted from her hand what she had brought to him and said, Go home in peace. I have heard your words and granted your request. When Abigail went to Nabal, he was in the house holding a banquet like that of a king. He was in high spirits and very drunk. So she told him nothing until daybreak. Then in the morning, when Nabal was sober, his wife told him all these things, and his heart failed him, and he became like a stone. About ten days later, the Lord struck Nabal, and he died. When David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, "'Praise be to the Lord!' who has upheld my cause against Nabal for treating me with contempt. He has kept his servant from doing wrong and has brought Nabal's wrongdoing down on his own head. Then David sent word to Abigail, asking her to become his wife. His servants went to Carmel and said to Abigail, David has sent us to you to take you to become his wife. She bowed down with her face to the ground and said, Here is your maidservant, ready to serve you and wash the feet of my master's servants. Abigail quickly got on a donkey, and attended by her five maids, went with David's messengers, and became his wife. David had also married Ahinoam of Jezreel, and they were both his wives. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God.
1: Uh, Do you think we should give Charlotte a round of applause? I mean, she earned her money tonight, didn't she? Don't you think? The trouble is, we were saying, can we cut this down? You can't, you've got to get the whole story. You've got to get the whole story. So, well done. Now, I've chosen that chapter, chapter 25, to read this evening, as it's got echoes of chapter 24 before it and chapter 26 after it, in it. And so I'll talk about those chapters as well briefly, but I'm going to focus on chapter 25. And also, for all you romantics out there, chapter 5's got that lovely love story, hasn't it, at the end. It makes your heart flutter, you know, so it's rather nice too, isn't it? So we're going to mainly focus on chapter 25. Let's just pray for a moment. Lord, we thank you. Uh, that these words from hundreds of years ago can speak to us today. And we just pray that uh, you'll speak to us through them tonight. For the glory of your name, Jesus. Amen. So as we look at chapter 25, I I want to show you a little clip. And I've seen this scene many times cycling to and from work over the years up the canal. So over to the clip. for it. Look. See what they're doing? Do you know what what are they? Coots. Have you ever seen coots fighting? I've seen this loads of times. They're very aggressive birds. Bang, like that. They're fighting. That's how they fight. Bang, they bash up against each other like this. And that gives something of the flavour of what's going on in this chapter. With Nabal or Nabal, I'm not sure which is right. I say Nabal. I can't try and do Nabal now because I won't be able to cope. I'll have to say Nabal. You may well have it right. But it's these two. They're verbally doing this. They're bashing up together. And Nabal means fool in the Hebrew. And there are echoes in him of King Saul The king's foolishness as he ignores God so Nabal ignores God as well but let's look at chapter 24 so this is the chapter before this incident with Abigail and we see Saul there I'll just remind you you can look at it if you want but I'll just remind you go through it briefly we saw see Saul having a a little comfort break in a cave he relieves himself in a cave while he's aggressively searching to kill David uh, with his men and Saul has made several attempts, as if you've been around for these series, you'll realize, on David's life. He's now got 3,000 hardened troops searching out David, whereas David has only got 600 men, and most of those, they are a raggle-taggle bunch, they're his family. And also, 1 Samuel 22 tells us they were all those who were in distress or debt or discontented gathered around him so these are people who are finding life difficult they're not really trained soldiers like Saul's soldiers however by amazing what I would call God incidents Saul decides to go alone into the very cave where David and all his men are at the back and they're hiding so in spite of all his troops Saul's there in this cave going to the toilet and vulnerable in David's hands And um, David's men interpret this situation as a clear sign that God had given David an opportunity to kill Saul, solve the problem. He's not going to chase after you anymore. Kill Saul, David, and take power as king. Take power as king now. However, David resisted the temptation because the men said, This is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. But what David did, he crept up unnoticed and he cut a corner off Saul's robe. So his, I think his, his sword must have been pretty sharp, wasn't it? I wouldn't like to come on the end of that. Anyway, that's what he did. He didn't kill him. He could have killed him. And then he, he uh, maybe did that, maybe to show symbolically that, uh, that he would take the kingdom from, God, from Saul, but God would decide when that happened. So then David says to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do such a thing, i.e. kill my master, that is Saul, the Lord's anointed, or lay my hand on him, for he's the anointed of the Lord. And then he's incredibly brave because he goes out there, out of the cave, and makes a very brave speech in the sight of Saul and his men, so they could have killed him. And even Saul admitted David would be king afterwards. Saul says, you've just told me about the good you did to me. The Lord delivered me into your hands, but you did not kill me. When a man finds his enemy, does he let him get away unharmed? May the Lord reward you well for the way you treated me today. I know that you'll surely be king and that the kingdom of Israel will be established in your hands. And that did happen later. But David here resisted the easy way out that was encouraged by his men. And instead he let God decide what would happen to Saul and David explained his sparing of Saul in this way he said he said to Saul may the Lord judge between you Saul and me and may the Lord avenge the wrongs you've done to me so he didn't want to let him off the hook but he was saying the Lord's going to do it not me but my hand will not touch you and what Eddie was saying at the beginning about trust, who do you trust? Well, this shows David's tremendous trust in God. I mean, he had a chance to kill him and he didn't do it. I believe it's a good example to us. It shows David's trust, his faith, and his patience too. His patience in waiting for God to act in God's way, not David's way. So that's the chapter 4, 24. Now the chapter after, 26, which is very similar, very similar to chapter 24 in many ways. David again spares Saul's life, but keeps up the pressure on him. He goes in the night, and they're all asleep, and he takes his spear and he takes his water while Saul's asleep. And he again leaves the judgment on Saul to God. He doesn't kill him. And I believe God again creates the situation here where David could have killed Saul on both these accounts, but David shows his tremendous trust in God's ability to sort the situation out and keep him safe in not killing Saul and leaving it in the hands of God. And it reminded me so much of Jesus' temptation in the desert. Um, God's spirit led Jesus into the desert like God brought it about that he was in the cave God incident, God brought it about, they're all in deep sleep, so he can go and get his spear and his water. God brought it about as a test, and, and Jesus passed the test in the desert. In the same way, he was led into the te- desert and he resisted temptation. So, are we sitting here this evening ever tempted to take the easy way out by others, like David's men in this situation? Or by the situation we're in, you might think, oh, well, this has come about. It's easy for me to do this. That might not be the right thing. Does it show trust, faithfulness in God? Are we ever tempted to have a more comfortable life by taking a decision which doesn't show trust, patience, faith in God, waiting for God to act in his way in his time? That's a temptation for all of us, I think. I know I've been tempted in that way. So that's something that that's saying to me, those two chapters, particularly saying to me, and maybe they're saying those to you as well. So in chapters 24 and 26, God restrains David through David's commitment to serving him. But in chapter 25, Abigail, Abigail comes on the scene, and she is the one who restrains David. She almost acts like God in the previous situations In chapter 25, in the incident with Nabal and his wise, intelligent, beautiful wife, Abigail, we see David again tempted to kill the aggressor, that is, the ungrateful Nabal, who is Abigail's husband. He's tempted to kill him. But this time, David is not kept from temptation by his own faith and trust in God initially at all. No, he needs Abigail to challenge him gently and skillfully, to do the right thing. David wants to kill Nabal and all his men, like this. And I wondered, as I looked at that, I thought, oh, look, there's another little cootie-coot on the side. Do you see that? I wonder if that's Abigail. (laughs) There you are. My coot's fighting, and there's Abigail trying to sort it out. I don't know. She might be called Abigail, that coot. Anyway, so maybe Abigail's the coot on the left, but David and Nabal basically are at it, at it with each other. They want, they want to have a fight. They have a verbal fight, and David wants to kill him. So we, we see David not dealing with the Lord's anointed king, Saul, now, but Nabal. There's a lot of facing up going on, like these two coots fighting, and they hurl insults at each other via their messengers, and they're both angry. But before this confrontation via messengers, to explain, because you have to read this story a few times to really get it, David and his men have been living near Nabal's shepherds, and they've not taken anything from them, and they've also protected them by their presence from wild animals, sheep, thieves, whatever. So Nabal's having a good sheep-shearing season. He's getting all the wool off the sheep. He's making loads of dosh, right? So he's protected them, David and his men. It tells us in in the passage, a certain man in Maon, who had a property there at Carmel was very wealthy. He had a 1,000 goats, 3,000 sheep. Well, that's a lot of wealth at that time, which he was shearing in Carmel. His name was Debal, and his wife's name was Abigail. She was an intelligent and beautiful woman, but her husband was surly and mean in his dealings. He was a Calebite, which is a bit ironic because Caleb was a good bloke, but that's another story. We can see wisdom and folly represented here by Nabal and Abigail. So Nabal means foolish, as I think I said earlier, or senseless. Abigail means my father was delighted, because he's got a lovely daughter by the sound of it, and I think in the end David was very delighted with her. So the text tells us also that um, Abigail was an intelligent and beautiful woman. That's right. So what a contrast between the two. So Abigail represents wisdom, Nabal represents folly. So David, then he sends his quite polite requests. If you read it again, it's very polite. He makes a reasonable request to Nabal via ten young men to go to him. He wants to celebrate the shearing of the sheep. It's a bit like the harvest festival. Um, And he would have made loads of money, Nabal, and they would have all had a party. Uh, So David and his men have been helping protect the sheep, so he just wanted to have a party so David's men asked Abba politely if they could have some food and drink to help them celebrate then Nabal, he's dismissive and he's rude who is this David he knows very well who David is you know for goodness sake he's not stupid his wife knows that David's going to become king so does he who's this David who's this son of Jesse you wonder if he started drinking early already you know Many servants are breaking away from their masters these days. Why should I take my bread and mortar and the meat I've slaughtered, my shearers, and and giving it to these men who come from who knows where? Well, he knows where they've come from. They've been near his sheep. He knows that. Then David hears Nabal's reply via his men who've turned round, gone back. David gets very angry. Two coots. Remember that picture. And he uses some quite ripe language, which even Mr. Richard Godden has quoted in the notes. I was quite taken aback. You might not expect to read this in the Bible, but this is what it says. So I'll read the version that we heard read uh, in the NIV, which is a bit sanitized. So David says to Sam, David says, Oh, it's been useless, all my watching over this fellow's property. That's Nabal's property. In the wilderness, so that nothing of his was missing. He's paid me back evil from good. May God... Be deal with David be ever so severely if, if by morning I leave alive one male of all who belong to him. And that, that's quite aggressive, isn't it? But actually if you hear his right language, it really brings out how angry he was. And apparently this language is only really used when you were going to kill people. Right? So, if you click now, you'll see what it really says. May God deal with David be ever so severely if by morning I leave alive one wallpisser, Which means a male... Of all who belong to him. So he's very annoyed. And I'm not saying this just to make you laugh. I'm saying it to show that the Bible's real and he's very annoyed. And that's what he's actually saying. David is angry and he uses this bad language because he's in a bad mood. He's full of anger and he's ready to go and kill Nabal and his men. Then David makes a rash oath to kill Nabal, as I've said. So can you see this angry verbal sparring, a bit like the two coots fighting? Remember, though, there's Abigail watching over them, and she'll come in in a minute. And David's saved from making this big mistake by this intelligent and sensible woman, Abigail. And she does, of course, what Jesus tells us to do in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers... For they shall be called the children of God. And there's Abigail the peacemaker on the side. She's the child of God. She acts and speaks very wisely. You can see her peacemaking wisdom both in her actions and also in her words. Her actions and her speech. First of all, she acts to create peace. She acted quickly, it tells us. She took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, blah, 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 and loaded them on donkeys. I won't go through it all, but basically that was like they worked out that was similar to the provisions for the Egyptian army, so it was enough food for the soldiers. It was sufficient. She loaded them on donkeys, then told her servants, go on ahead, I'll follow you. But she didn't tell her husband Nabal, very sensible. She acts to create peace. That's what she's doing. So she's sending these gifts before her, a bit like Jacob did, Uh, in another part of the Bible. And she speaks to create peace as well. She speaks to create peace. She fell at David's feet when she actually gets to meet David and says, pardon your servant, my Lord. Let me speak to you. Hear what your servant has to say. And now, my Lord, as surely as the Lord your God lives and as you live, since the Lord has kept you from bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hands, may your enemies and all who are intent on harming my Lord be like Nabal i.e., foolish, and let this gift which your servant has brought to my Lord be given to the men who follow you. So Abigail is a very, very skillful peacemaker. And in these troubled times, you do wonder if we could do with her in the Brexit negotiations. But anyway, that's another story. She's a skillful peacemaker and she acts and she sends provisions to David's troops, which as I said are similar to those given per soldier in the Egyptian army at the time. So that's her actions. And she also speaks in such a skillful way that actually David will be very, very hard-pressed to attack Nabal after hearing her words because she's basically saying, it's God who has prevented David from bloodshed. It's God. She says, since the Lord has kept you from bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hands... Now, at this point, he, he hadn't actually said, as far as I know, he hadn't said he wasn't going to kill Nabal. So she's assuming he's going to not kill Nabal. So then it's very hard to, for David to say, I'm going to kill Nabal and all his men. As the implication is in Abigail's words that David would then be acting against God's will, which I think he would be. You see what I mean? It's very clever. And then Abigail begins to speak of the future for David, The future. When the Lord has fulfilled for my Lord every good thing he promised concerning him and has appointed him ruler over Israel, my Lord will not have on his conscience the staggering burden of needless bloodshed or of having avenged himself. And when the Lord your God has brought my Lord success, remember your servant. He certainly did. He married her. But she speaks of David becoming king, which although true is quite flattering for David to hear, isn't it? She's kind of buttering him up a bit. And she also reminds David of the guilt he would feel in the future if he attacked and killed Nabal and all his men now. So she butters him up and then makes him think of the future guilt he might suffer if he doesn't listen to her. Now David could have ignored her at this point and said, no, I'm going to kill him anyway. But she's come up with a very good argument. So David, in response, has enough sense not to carry out this rash oath and kill Nabal. But in in his statement, he's obviously still quite angry because he still uses that phrase, wall about instead of men. Anyway, David says to Abigail, "'Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who sent you today to meet me. May you be blessed for your good judgment and for keeping me from bloodshed this day and from avenging myself with my own hands.' Otherwise, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, who's kept me from harming you, if you'd not come quickly to meet me, not one male belonging to Nabal would have been left alive by daybreak. So here we see David could have ignored her, and maybe he could have particularly ignored her because she was a woman. He listened to her as a woman when women were seen as property in marriage in the culture of the day. They were often not regarded as being important by men. David listened to Abigail, this very wise woman, and he took her wise words to heart. And this problem of men not believing and listening to women was still around in Jesus' time, of course. You know what I'm going to quote, I'm sure. When Jesus rose from the dead, of course, he first appeared to the women amongst his disciples, and they took the message back, Jesus was alive, but the male disciples didn't believe them. Luke tells us when they came back from the tomb, they told all these things about Jesus rising to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women, because their words seemed like nonsense. And the problem's still around today, too. We can all be tempted, whether we're a man or a woman. To sometimes, maybe subconsciously, look down on other people or groups of people and not value or listen to what they say because they aren't PLUs. Now, I've used this phrase before. I want to know if anyone has remembered this phrase, PLUs. Richard Goddons. Oh, wait a minute. No, go on. People like us. Oh, people like us. You see, it's so easy not really to listen to people who aren't People like us. Do you know what I mean? It's a temptation for all of us. So it could be a woman or it could be anyone. David did listen to someone, this woman, who wasn't a people like him. A person like him. She was a woman and also she was a peacemaker, whereas David was pretty good at war. But he had the sense to listen to her and to realise his error in his threats to deal with. To kill Nabal and his men. Then uh, Nabal gets his just deserts. He has a stroke and dies. Then in the morning when Nabal was sober, his wife told him all these things. I.e. how David was going to come and get him. And his heart failed him and he became like a stone. It looks like he has a stroke. About ten days later, the Lord struck Nabal and he died. So the foolish Nabal, back to our wise and foolish. The foolish Nabal dies Whereas, we come to that heart-fluttering moment in the story, the wise Abigail gets married. Then David sent word to Abigail, asking her to become his wife. His servants went to Carmel and said to Abigail, David has sent us uh, to you to take you to become his wife. So she bowed down with the face to the ground and said, I am your servant and ready to serve you and wash the feet of my Lord's servants. Abigail quickly got on a donkey and attended by her five female servants went with David's messages and became his wife the wise Abigail gets married now it may not have all been romance it did say she was very beautiful and we know David liked beautiful women a bit of a lad Uh, but of course he was giving her his protection when her husband just died wasn't he but it was also a political thing maybe as well because you know he had Nabal's wealth probably as well and Nabal was powerful. He was in that Calebite clan so it may have been a political thing as well. But she does get married so it's a kind of happy ending. The foolish Nabal dies where there's happy ending for the wise Abigail. She gets married to the future King David. Now at this point I'd like you to pick up your bulletin please. That's that piece of paper you were given in, you were given when you came in, hopefully, because I've got some questions there. So are we ever tempted, number one, like David with Saul, to take the easy way out by others or by the situation we're in? The easy way out may not always be God's way. Or are we ever tempted to rashly confront people like David with Nabal, like those two coots? Like the two coots, are we ever tempted not to focus on being peacemakers, as Jesus encourages us to be in the Beatitudes? And Abigail also skillfully reminded David of the future consequences. He might regret it. He'd feel guilty in the future if he killed Nabal and his men. And maybe we should pause and think of future consequences before we go bang and have a big verbal or angry fight with someone over something. Thirdly, are we ever tempted to dismiss people, maybe subconsciously, who we don't regard as important or as wise as us? People who aren't PLUs, people like us. And I I used to get this a lot because I worked with people with severe learning difficulties and autism over the years, and often people don't really listen to them either because they felt probably they were more intelligent and so on. So they, they didn't really listen. So David could have dismissed Abigail's advice as she was a woman. Women's views, as well as many other people's views, have often been dismissed over the years. So, finally, let's learn the lessons of King Saul and Nabal's foolishness. They ignored God, and they acted aggressively. And let's be encouraged by the faith of Abigail and David in these chapters. Let's pray God will help us, through his Holy Spirit, to act wisely, in tricky situations, as Abigail and David did. Amen.